Welcome to the Fire Church Podcast. Today we pray Holy Spirit will speak through this message and into your life right where you are. If we haven't met before, my name is Alex. I do pastor this church with my gorgeous wife, Jess. She leads our kids' church ministry. She pastors with me as well, but she's on her way down with the kids. Um, I, I saw this symbolic picture and, and, and uh, it broke me for a little bit. As the communion was being shared and an awesome word, Pastor Lee, there was this piece of bread on the floor. And I don't even know who it was, but they just trampled over it. They just walked over it. And you see this little bread just tumble across. Then I look just behind it, a meter behind it, there was this communion cup spilt on the floor. I thought, wow, what a symbolic picture of our Lord Jesus, that it was our sins that did that to his own body, that he was trampled upon that he, he was crushed for our iniquities. And it was his blood that was shed for our sins. And so I had a little moment there with Jesus, and I think it was um, just a timely reminder of why we're here today. And if you are here for the very first time, you are so welcome. We thank you and honor you for being here. Do you guys have seats? Are you guys comfortable standing up? Yeah. Feel free to sit on the floor. But let's turn to Scripture. Let's turn to Luke 24. Feel free, team, if you want to have it up on the screen. Luke 24, verse 1. Father, we just thank you for today. God, I pray that you just help me preach this word. Holy Spirit, flow through me. Touch hearts today. Transform hearts for your glory. God, we pray for people to be saved today as well. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Now, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Come on. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, and it happened. As they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Come on. He is not here, but he is risen. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you. When he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. On the third day rise again. We are here now, friends, on the third day of Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. On Good Friday, it's a bit of an ironic name, but it's, it's a name to twist that which was meant for evil. But God turned it for good. The enemy thought he had his victory by crucifying the Son of God. It wasn't just any regular person that he got his hooks in and got his way in with his cat of nine tails and beat him up. The enemy actually thought, I've won now. I have killed God himself, Jesus Yeshua, the Messiah. But we know how the story goes. And so Jesus goes down into Hades. 
And then I'd hate to be that crony of a demon that would have to report to Lucifer. Actually, we've got a problem here. (laughs) This hasn't gone as we had planned. Come Resurrection Sunday, these women who've brought these spices to look after the body, they, they find these two angels. Other accounts of the gospel says they found the garments of Jesus folded. Isn't Jesus awesome? He just gives us an example. Fold your clothes when you get up. I'm preaching to myself. I'm, I've got images of that pile of laundry next to my bedroom, my bedside. And these two angels said, why do you look for the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. I felt to tell you today that there is some of us in the room that perhaps you're dead within. You're dead within in terms of what you've gone through in your life, in terms of dreams that you've had, in terms of perhaps even within your own soul. In fact, the Bible says that we are dead. We are dead in our transgressions. The wages of sin is death. You know when you work, you get paid. You know the wages of sin as we live this life without God, without the washing of the blood of Jesus on our sins, the payment for that is death. The wages of sin is death, but thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, for he grants us eternal life. Many of our Us here are here today because we've tasted and seen the forgiveness of God, the goodness of the Lord. I'm coming up to 20 years of being born again, being a Christian. I grew up, you see, as a Catholic boy. Went to St. Bede's College, Mentone. And I I went to also a Christian born-again Filipino church in Frankston North, here in the Mahogany Center. And, uh, you know, back in the 90s, it was a little bit more racist back then. And you'd see a swastika graffiti um, at the end of the service. Oh, God bless their souls. And it it was just that kind of upbringing. But the the only people that I saw getting into God, getting into worship, was you guys, the adults, the parents, the grandparents. And I thought, you know what, maybe when I'm older, I'll take this God thing seriously. And so I went to St. Bede's from year 7 to year 12. And even in that, I I would love to go back and speak there, by the way, Um, I felt from God too. In the chapel services, we'd play Green Day, we'd play Offspring. You know, some of, some of the nice kids are giving me a nod, to, yeah, it's some good bands. And you're wondering, why are you playing that in chapel? But I still wonder now why we did. It, it was little to do with, um, really, I, I say this with respect, but I'm just, my, my memories was, what was that about? It, it was, they were trying to be relevant, and I get that and all that. But there was this difference that I realized when I became a Christian short, uh, shortly after year 12, that I became born again. Jesus said in John 3.3 to Nicodemus, a Jewish expert of the law, of the Hebrew faith, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? I can't be born again. I can't go up mum's womb, come back out again. That's what he said. And Jesus said, no, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit 
gives birth to spirit. You must be born again. Our spirits are dead. We must be born again. Our sin that we carry. Can, can someone just double check uh, kids are coming down? Because I'm holding off an experiment. They're not. Okay, cool. That's all good. Nigel, I'll need your help here then. We'll get these tubs up. I'm going scientific this morning. I, I excelled in geography, visual arts, history, English, but not maths or science. So you've got to pray this goes well this morning. We'll just face it. And um, thank you, Tyler. We're going to have this on the big screen soon. Yeah? Okay. If we can have it. Let's take the water off just in case it falls down. And so I felt to do this little illustration for us all of what is the reality of our lives right now. That without God, without the forgiveness of Jesus, this is how it looks. Tyler, if you can zoom in on this stuff, that would be amazing. This uh, handy little bottle of mine. Praise God for uh, scientific wise. Jess, her, her strength back in high school was science. And, uh, you know, I, I sometimes rush things and I thought it was red food dye that I needed. It's not. It's not for this experiment. And I looked it up properly. It's iodine. And she found through this antiseptic uh, spray, iodine's found in this. I thought, oh, praise God. So for the purpose of this exercise, this little bottle is the devil. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were tempted by the devil to say, did God really say for you not to eat of that fruit? They were deceived. And many of us in the room are, have been led down this path of deception to think we don't need God. We can just live life on our own. Life is somewhat happy, somewhat good. But if you're honest within yourself, it still feels a little bit empty. There's this vacuum within our hearts that only God can fill. And so the devil, from the beginning, he tempts Adam and Eve. They fall for it, and then sin enters the earth. Can you all see that? Oh, very good. Just making sure I cut my own hair pretty good. There we are. Let's get that nice and red. Nice and red. So what happens is, sin enters the earth. And from here on out, from generation to generation, what happens is, we're not prone, we're not immune to sin. It gets passed down. And then we get involved, we grow up. We partake of our own sin. We mess around. We do the devil's work. He is our father, the Bible says. He's the father of lies. But until we come to God, the devil, in fact, is our father. Whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not. So I remember as a young man, after high school, clubbing, partying, relationships, it was fun for a moment. 
but feeling quite empty on the inside. And then my friend who's the pastor's kid, he went through his own phase of partying and, you know, just being a wannabe gangster and all that kind of stuff. And then he decided to hold a youth and young adult night for God. He got saved. He, he came back to God. You see, friends, even if you've grown up in the faith, even if you're a pastor's kid, you're not immune to the temptations of the devil. I'm quite aware, I'm, I'm frankly very aware of my own kids, that they need their own legacy in God. They need their own relationship with the Lord. They, they're not going to inherit this. I'm not going to get Declan up here at 16 and take over the ministry. It's not like that. You need your own walk with the Lord. You need to carve out your own path in Him. And it was just so beautiful and pleasing to see on Friday, Good Friday, Declan geared up. I was thinking, because they arrived after me, like, what are you doing in your swim gear, Declan? You see, the squeaky wheel always gets the grease. Am I right? Parents, you know this. For the last two years, as Declan's been in this church watching people get water baptized, he'd go home, he'd reenact it with his sisters. He's been asking for the last two years, when can I get water baptized? Can I please get water baptized? And so this past Friday, he's begging again on the way. And his sister's like, are you sure, Declan? Because don't you want to do it when you're older? You can remember? He goes, I will remember. Just, we're just going to take a lot of photos and we'll look at it and I will remember. Isn't that sweet? But my, my three kids, I'm, I'm so blessed. They, they love the Lord with all their heart. And they have the, just, just amazing, their own special revelation, their own walk with him. And on that night, July 16, 2003, I remember just walking in early, seeing the presence of God and my friends. I've, I've known the majority of, of their life, my life. There was something on them that I knew I wanted. I knew it was God. I knew that I think my time is up tonight. I need to get right with God. And my friend preached through many snot and tears the unconditional love of God. He loves us too much to leave us. He loves us that much that he sent his only son to die for our sins. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And so we need to repent. That's what he said. We need to repent, friends. We need to get right with God. I've since learned the word repentance is not a bad word. I've taught it in this church recently. The word repentance in the Greek, and why do we look at the Greek the New Testament was written in, the New, in ancient Greek to reach its widest speaking audience, Greek people, Greek-speaking people. The word repentance in the Greek is metanoia. If you break it down, meta means change, noia of mind, change of mind. So when John the Baptist and Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's not saying, get on your knees and grovel, you dirty sinner. That is an inaccurate way to translate the Bible and a terrible way to witness to someone. It says, repent, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. It's within your grasp. You can have it now. In the book of Acts, it says, repent, be converted or turn to God. Repent, be converted, Acts 3.19, so that your sins may be blotted out. And times of refreshing may come. And as we repent, 
as we change our mind, God changes our hearts. And as we receive the Lord and Savior into our lives, He washes us by His perfect, sinless blood. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we may become the righteousness of God. And this is what happens. Come on. Though the Bible says, though your sins were red as scarlet, he has made you white as snow. And he's removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, meaning he can't even see that in you anymore. When he sees you, he sees a clean, whole son and daughter. He doesn't hold your sin against you. In fact, it says this in Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 16. This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. God's had a bad rap over the years. People think he's this old grumpy guy with a gray beard like Gandalf with his stick ready to smite you for every bad act that you do. In fact, the Bible is contrary to that popular belief that God is a good and loving father. He says, I will remember your sins no more. I will remove your sin as far as the east is from the west. He loves you that much. In fact, the Bible says in Hosea 3 and 5, in the last days, we will tremble in the awe and the goodness of our God. I remember that night that I gave my heart to the Lord. I was literally trembling in the awe and the goodness. In, sorry, in the fear of the Lord and of his goodness. We're going to tremble in the fear of the Lord and of his goodness. What is the fear of God? It's the reverence of God. It's the reverence of, of who he is. But it's also, Moses talked about it like this way, fearing that his presence won't be with us. Fearing that we will live this life without him. He said, I, I, I don't want to go ahead into the promised land unless your presence goes before us. There's, there's passages in scriptures where Moses says, fear the Lord. Go up to the mountain and, and fear him. Fear him. Don't have this life without him. Don't think for a minute. You can do this life without him. And so, yes, I'm going to, oh no, it's going to get messy because I've filled it way too high. This is bleach. Oh my gosh. Can I get a cup? Can someone give me a cup? Yeah, that will do. Oh, yes. Thank you, Fee. Thank you, Fee. Good stuff. All right. Uh, it smells like my local pool right here. Oh, my gosh. All right. This is what happens, friends. When we get right with God, when we uh, turn to him, and uh, the enemy can sometimes has his way, there's this process the Bible calls in a believer called um, sanctification, to be set apart, to be used for holy purposes and good purposes. 
And so the Bible also says, he who claims to have no sin will be proven to be a liar. But it also says that we're actually saints of God. Saints in, in, in the word of God means that you're a believer of God. It's not this dead religious figure that we pray to. We are the saints of God. Amen. And so sometimes we trip up, sometimes we, we stuff up, and we think, uh-oh. I'm talking about just like small daily stuff here. Uh, I've messed up. And, and then the enemy will jump on you, and he'll try and condemn you. But how God sees you, with a continual life of repentance, which means a change of mind. The Bible says, bear fruits worthy of repentance, worthy of your change of mind. Continue to bear fruits. Notice what happens here. Is it turning? Does God seize you as this dirty, rotten sinner of your old self? In fact, the Bible says, Behold, if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed and the new has come. And he has made us ministers of reconciliation. There's no trick of the devil that will ever convince God that you are a dirty sinner. He sees you as righteous and holy and brand new. We've been living under the lie that, uh-oh, I've looked at pornography or I've smoked some, some weed and I'm far away from God now. Now, we don't look at pornography, we don't smoke weed as believers or many other things. But what the devil has done very well is to convince you you're stuck in this bucket. You will never get out of this rut. You'll always be a dirty sinner. There is a danger in continuing into a lifestyle of sin. Yes, there is. Don't, don't hear me wrong. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There is a danger in going down a path of habitual sin. And Jesus talks about people like that. Away from me, you workers of iniquity or workers of evil. And these people are like, well, didn't we pray and prophesy in your name? Didn't we preach your name and it was away from me for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. But the devil is so crafty and tricky. He'll say, look, look what you've done again. You dirty old sinner. You're not a saint. Don't you dare think of yourself as clean and worthy. God doesn't, God doesn't sing you like that. That is a terrible lie right from the pit of hell. Behold, the old has passed and the new has come. The new has come. The new has come. God will be lying to himself. The new has come. And so these, these uh, disciples, they, they then follow on from these women who will try and look after the body of Jesus. And they're on the road. And, and then Jesus himself appears. But with restrained eyes, the Bible says, they didn't know it was actually him talking to them. And he, he was just asking, what's wrong? What's wrong, friends? And they're, they're mourning and saying, we thought this would be the one that would save us from all our troubles. We thought this was the Messiah. And Jesus, he goes on to say in verse 25, Oh, you foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his, his glory. And from Moses to, through all the prophets, he explains all the prophetic words. 
that this had to happen to their Messiah. In fact, who knows how many prophetic words was spoken over the Messiah. It was about 342. And this mathematician, isn't it ironic God gets you to do things that is not your strong point? If He said, if a man was to do even a, a small handful of the 48 prophecies found about the Messiah out of the 342, that would be a chance of one in 10, followed by 157 zeros on top of that. That's one person, a handful of these, pro- these prophetic words, 48 out of 342. Jesus fulfilled every single prophetic word. 342 prophecies about the Messiah. And you know what I like about that? It wasn't just the easy word that he'd ride on a donkey. It was, he's going to be whipped. He's going to be crushed. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be a man of sorrows, acquainted with our own grief, acquainted with your own pain, your own suffering. He's not a God that doesn't know what you're going through. He knows every single detail of your pain, of your circumstance. He is a God that empathizes with us. And our Father in heaven loved us that much that he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yesterday we watched um, Mario, Super Mario Brothers, at Karingal Village Cinemas. And it was, it was good. I was expecting a bit more of a backstory for Mario Luigi. It was all right. But leading up to it was previews. And who, who likes going to movies with, to see the previews? I like to see what's coming up. And there was previews for a new Spider-Man film. In this Spider-Man film was a line, and it was one of those heroic lines, one of those heroic questions. If you had the choice to save the one you love or everyone else, who do you choose? I thought, that's a hard question. So I thought, I'll ask my eldest daughter that. If you had the choice, a little bit of a sadistic humor. Hey, Mia. If you had the choice, you just heard Spider-Man, to choose to save your mum or the rest of the world, who would you choose? That's a tough question to ask. Can I ask you, think about the most person, the person that you love the most. It could be your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, your sibling. If you had that choice between that person the one that you love the most who's looked after you or the one that you've given birth to and you love him with all your heart, if you had that choice to save that one person or the rest of the world, who do you choose? This is the question that God had to deal with. Do I save my son 
or do I save the rest of the world? Aren't you glad that he chose us? Aren't you glad that he gave his only son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life? As much as Jesus, yes, was brutally murdered and killed, Jesus says in John 10, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life. They do not take it from me, but I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to raise it back up again. He willingly went through all that pain and suffering for you and me. And Jesus promised the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That was my life. Right up to the point I got saved. Destruction and death was imminent. Down the path of destruction with death on the other side. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundant. I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, you shall not die, but you shall live. And Jesus asked, do you believe in this? Do you believe this? For the last 20 years, it's been the most wild adventure. I've never gone back to my old life. Yeah, I've had my struggles with this. I had my struggles with this, but then I realized it was an identity issue. I used to call myself a sinner saved by grace. This label, sinner, 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 washed by the blood of Jesus. I've got the blood covering me. Then I realized, actually... He's called me a saint. He sees me brand new. No longer does the flesh rule in me, but it's the Spirit of God. I'm blessed with a beautiful wife, three beautiful children that love the Lord. And I was just, I was just saying to Jess yesterday, isn't God that good? Isn't God so good? We couldn't have any of this on our own. It's only by the goodness of God Jesus promised, I'll give you life and life more abundant. So with every eye closed and head bowed in this room, no one looking around, are you right with God? Can I ask you a question? If you die tonight, are you saved and will you go to heaven? Tomorrow is not promised, friends. Tomorrow is not promised. If you die tonight, are you saved? And will you go to heaven? There's people in the room that need to get right with God. Perhaps you've given your heart to him a long time ago. But if you're honest, you've walked away. You've backslidden in your own heart. You've turned from God. You've lived your life without him. You're not close with him anymore. And you know it's time to come home. For others, you're hearing a gospel message like this, perhaps for the first time, and you've never given your heart to Jesus. And when I ask you that question, are you saved? And if you die tonight, will you go to heaven? There's a big question mark. But God doesn't want you to live with a question mark. He wants you to live with a full confidence that you are saved by the blood of Jesus. It's not by works that any man should be saved. It's not our own good works, our own good deeds that gets us to heaven. Otherwise, we can boast. It's not by works a man can be saved, lest they shall boast. But it is through faith 
in Christ Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that all acts of righteousness are like filthy rags in His sight. You can't work your way to heaven. Jesus and the work on the cross is our only way. On top of that, it's not just a ticket into eternity. It's your ticket to life now. It's abundant life now. That they may have life and life more abundantly. No one looking around. If you need to respond to this word, can I just get you to quietly leave your seat and come to the front? If you're already at the front and you feel this is for you, can I just, as a sign of commitment to our Lord, if you want to maybe get on your knees or raise your hand. But is there anyone that needs to get right with God this morning? You're amongst family, you're amongst friends. Can we be up on our feet? Let's just stand on our feet. And can we just pray this prayer? If you mean it from your heart, I just know God's going to do something powerful. So, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your Son, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. God, I ask for your forgiveness. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Enter my heart. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Um, just so you know, if you're here for the first time, we, 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 we do go through this for, for a very good reason. We would love the honor to meet you here at the front and pray with you personally speaking you see when Jesus called out Zacchaeus or his disciples there was this invitation come come follow me follow me I thank God I didn't sit in my seat that night Wednesday night July 16 2003 I thank God as difficult as it was, with his heart pounding out of my chest, that I knew I needed to get right with God. You see, the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And he who opens, I will come and dine with him and him with me. So if you're in the room and you've never given your heart to Jesus, or you have and you've walked away and you need to get right, Come down to the front right now. And we'll have to pray with you. We're going to celebrate with you. This room is going to go crazy. Everyone watching online, if that's you, please let us know. Yes. Yeah. Come on, bro. So good. Is there anyone else? He's calling you. Will you come? Will you come? Is there anyone else? Will you come? Don't let today, don't let this moment pass you. Don't let this moment pass you. Yeah. Come on. We've got another sister here. Yeah, we've got two awesome sisters here. Is there anyone else? 
Jesus is saying, come, will you follow me? Come, will you get right? Come, will you get washed by the blood of the Lamb? Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Friends, can we be a, a brave evangelist and turn to our neighbor and just ask, would you want to come to the front? Because I'll come with you. Is there anyone else? day you came to the Lord. Is there anyone else that wants to get right with God? You know in the bottom of your heart that you're not right. I feel there's at least two more. There's two more in the room. Yeah, come on. Well done. Is there anyone else? One more. I says there's at least one other person. You know, Jesus says on the ninth hour, he hung on the cross, translated to midday, and darkness covered the earth. And then three hours later, he said, I give myself to you, God. He passed away. For three hours, he hung. Out of my waiting three more minutes. Is there anyone else? He did all of that for you. He did all of that for you. To die a gruesome death. So his blood can be shed. And your sins washed away. Is there anyone else that needs to get right with God right now? Family, can we just stretch out our hands and pray for our brothers and sisters? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your work on the cross. God, we thank you for the hearts of these beautiful people that have felt the call to get right with you, God, to say, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus. I give my life to you, Father, my whole life to you. God, we pray for the seed of the gospel to go deep into people's hearts, that it will fall on good ground, that no devil from hell can snatch it from them, Lord. We pray that this will fall not on rocky ground, where at the sight of heat and persecution, with a lack of root, this fruit of the gospel will be burnt away. God, we don't pray for thorny grounds either. God, we rebuke the cares of this life and the distraction of riches. God, we pray that these people will find themselves in good soil, planted in the house of the Lord, where they shall grow and flourish and bear fruit, even in old age. That, Father, that this commitment from this day forward will be a lifelong commitment, that they shall bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold and never walk away from you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Stretch out your hands to our family here. A new family.
And Father, we just prayed right now for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, invade their hearts, invade this temple of yours. Fill them, God. Fill them to the overflow. Fill them to the overflow. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, family, can we give it up for our brand new brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, the Bible says, even if one sinner was to get right with God, all of heaven rejoices. So we party with heaven. And just look up very briefly. You know, we can do this walk, and this is for everyone in the room now. And we can tick the right Christian boxes. But there was a church in the book of Revelations that said, you've done all these things, the church in Ephesus, but you've left your first love. Now go back, repent, change your mind and go back and do what you first did. As people who love another person, if you're in a new relationship, you see it, what they do. They just in amongst each other all the time. They can't put the phone down. They're seeing each other all the time. Their hearts are fully devoted. They're in. You, you can't separate the two. Return back to your first life. And then they tell everyone about their new relationship. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about Fire Church, head to our website, firechurch.com.au. And don't forget to connect with us on social media, on Instagram, fire.church, Facebook, Fire Church, and YouTube, Fire Church TV. Have a blessed week.